What were Jesus's last words? Go out into the whole world and make disciples. This Catholic podcast is all about helping you say yes to the final and greatest invitation of Jesus, the adventure you were made for. Welcome to episode 21, everyone. We're very excited that you're here with us today. And we have an awesome guest, Fabiola Garza, an author and illustrator. A quick note, this episode is a little bit longer. So this one is going almost to 40 minutes. Normally we stay below 30 minutes, but this was so good we couldn't cut it off. And we also wanted to apologize ahead of time because my microphone and Justin's microphone were picking up a little bit of feedback. And so the good news is when Fabiola is sharing, she's crystal clear, but we apologize for that sound issue and know that we are working on it we do not expect it will be there for the next one so thank you very much and enjoy all right folks we're joined with a special guest today fabiola garza who is a catholic author and illustrator so fabiola thanks for making time to chat with us today thanks so much for having me so fabiola i think the thing i'm most interested to know and i bet other people that have clicked play on this episode are interested to know is how did this happen how did you get into the world of being a catholic illustrator and author? I, I, well, the funny thing is art has always been my thing. Um, I always wanted to be an artist ever since I was little. Actually, the first thing I ever wanted to be was a Disney artist. I wanted to be a Disney animator. Uh, it's in my uh, journal uh, that I had when I was 10. I had I written down, I want to be a Disney animator. Um, and that, that was my dream. Uh, until I took an animation course in pre-college when I was like 16 and I realized I hated animation, uh, that I did not like it. However, I loved the illustration course. And I realized that for animated movies, there's actually a lot of illustration that goes on before animation. So I took illustration as my major when I went to Rhode Island School of Design for my, for my bachelor's. And I, I formed a great love obviously for, for, for animation that I already had and also for children's books. So that, that was kind of like my, my classes were kind of divided into the two. Like I realized I love children's books while I was in college. I also actually did uh, quite a bit of Catholic pieces. Um, and I didn't really think about it as like, Oh, now I'm doing like Catholic art. It was just, I was doing art, you know, whatever I loved, whatever I was interested in, that's what I would depict. So sometimes I would be drawing um, castles and dragons and fairies. And sometimes I was drawing, um, I did a series of St. Teresa of Lisieux. And then for uh, my final for a children's book class, I did a draft of a children's book about John Paul II. Um, and that's kind of where it started, at least my love of art. Oh yeah, and then it got published <laughs> magically. Magically, it got published. Yeah, we're fans. Yeah, yeah, immediately disappeared after that. <laughs> there were no problems. There were no problems. <laughs> I think you're the only one in the world who's ever had that happen. Like, no, you just write a write a draft, and then boom, it gets published perfectly. <laughs> yeah, immediately. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't. There were no. No, I'm kidding. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was actually, I, I pitched it right out, right out of college. I sent it over to a publishing company and looked very different than it, what it looks like now. Um, they were like, no thanks. And I was like, okay, well, I have to go make money. So I'm going to go get a job. <laughs> so I worked in the video game industry for like two years and a half. Um, and while I was in it, I, I did keep on developing the book a little bit. 
but I didn't go back to it until the company I was working for went under. And then I had all this free time on my hands and I was like, okay, what do I do? I can freelance. Um, but I also talked to my dad and he said, how about you pitch that book again, take your time um, and I'll help you out so that you can do that, which is amazing. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, so I redid it. Um, obviously you don't finish the book before you pitch it because obviously they, they'll, they'll have edits and changes and things. But I sent out a bunch of query letters everywhere and I was adamant that I was not going to send it to that publishing company that rejected me the first time. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do it. And so after I didn't hear back or they were like, no, we don't really do this kind of book. I was like, <sighs> so I, 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 yeah, I sent them, I sent them the updated book and yeah, within the next few days they said they were interested. So that was good. Yeah. yeah. That is awesome. So was this the first book that, that like, cause I know you've been involved in several works and pieces. Um, so what are, what are some of the different things you've been able to be a part of in, in this uh, venture of Catholic illustration and writing? That's, that's really funny. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, cause I did, um, like I did small things for people. Like sometimes I did a logo or a drawing or something, but that really was my first big work. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that really was the first big thing that I can remember um, being a part of. Um, yeah. Yeah, because I, I had a blog for a long time and I would write and draw and talk about faith or whatever was interesting me at the time for a while. But yeah, that was that was the big one. Mm -hmm. So was there a lot different between the first draft that you submitted and the second? Or was it just like a different person saw that email and was like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, I, I, I have no idea. It was very different. The art was different. It's completely different style. It, the length was different, um, but yeah, the art very different, very different. Okay, gotcha. It's the illustrations are beautiful, and I'm a huge Saint John Paul II fan. I mean, one of our boys is partially named after him, um, so I loved it. And for folks to just see some of the beautiful work you did, I mean, these illustrations are beautiful and really put it puts um, I would say personality on his life, filling in. Um, different details that that might have that of how he would have reacted or how he would have felt at different times. That was that was so beautiful to read with the kids. So, what inspired you to write about him? Why is he so special to you? I started to uh, delve deeper into his life in college, and uh, college had its ups and downs, and sometimes it was hard. But uh, once I started uh, reading about his life, I thought it was I don't know. I, I was just so surprised because uh, I mean. I'd grown up seeing him on TV and in magazines and everything. And I loved him, of course, but I really had no knowledge of his early life. And uh, growing up uh, during uh, just a hard time losing his mom and uh, going through World War II and then communism in Poland and just all these things, I was like, how did this man cope and how was he able to stay so joyful? you know, and, and keep his faith in God. So I found his gentleness and joy so beautiful and in a way so impossible um, because of what he went through, that it was very inspiring. And I, I really wanted to share his story because I had never heard about just the, the greater breadth of his life, uh, in particular when he was young. Yeah, so just to share the context of this, when we read this book, so we organized this little uh, nature trail day 
And it was actually, I think, on his feast day. It ended up being on his feast day. So there was like four families. And we walked with our kids through Mason and got to a nice spot to sit and read the story about his life. And um, I'm not sure if you were going for a certain angle or theme as you went through, but the takeaway was, wow, he had such a hard life. I mean, so many sad things happened, yet he remained joyful. And he remained, he was like refined by all of those tragedies to be the man that he was. He could have never been John Paul II without the crosses he was given. So was that something you were trying to hone in on in like the storytelling? Yes, I, I think I think definitely it was about how he remained anchored. I think throughout his life um, and how because of who he loved the most, how how much he loved the Lord, um, he was still able to love others. You know, like God loved him, so he was able to love love others as well. And he also, I just. I also loved sort of depicting his connection to other people because he loved people so much, particularly young people. Um, so yeah, it was it was really about about what made him great, and it was who he loved the most. You know, um, that's what made him great. You know, his yeah. greatest love was God. Yeah, a couple of great scenes from the story are, of course, when he's with the young people and everyone that loves John Paul II knows about his escapades with the young people. But then here he is with his friend after all those years. So he seemed to be a saint that loved people in the general sense, but then individual people. And it kind of like, you can't really love broader sense people at the church without loving the church as individuals. And um, I don't know, if have you watched the movie about his friendship that he had with this this guy that would invite him skiing. Have you have you heard of this? It's like on Amazon. I read the book. I read the book. Oh, you read the book. Isn't it incredible? I mean, he just befriended him. He would just go ski with him. And this guy wasn't living life in the church even necessarily. And he just showed no. genuine fatherly concern for him. And I think he ended up getting married in the church and all that. Yeah, but he was just yes. he had a, a genuine witness for love. Life, this man. And I think every yeah. time he met him, he's like, so are you going to marry this one? Sir? <laughs> and this, is, and this is the Pope. This is the Pope going to ski with him. And the Pope is just yeah. talking to him like he's his next door neighbor that he grew up with or something. Yeah, and that man it just made such an impact that he wrote a book on him. And I just thought it was so beautiful because um you'd think like, oh, there's no particular reason why he would be friends with him, except that um just love him. Yeah. yeah, it's just he's so affectionate and empathetic, and um I think that's why it was and he gets attached, you know? It was so hard for him to to leave Poland when he became Pope, uh, you know? Um, he His community was his family, you know? We sometimes think of saints as completely, like, detached, but it's attached it's in a different enough. sense, in, in, in a sense that he he his, he's correctly centered, and that way he's able to attach himself very deeply to people in the correct way. Yeah, and I think another thing I love about John Paul II is he was so authentically human. Like he lived the whole human experience. You know, he did theater, he did sports. Um, and you captured that well, because you mentioned all those things in the book too. You captured him playing soccer and being in theater. And I know that he was also influential in for priestly formation, making sure that priests knew they had to be formed as human beings as well, to just be happy people in order to be priests. So. Thanks for all you captured in this book. It's a real treasure for kids. And also, I think, great for kids to hear about 
because when kids are young, maybe they have maybe some have maybe a lot haven't encountered difficult things just yet. It gives them a good perspective on when those challenges come. Yeah, I, I love, that's the other thing I, I loved about him. He's such, so like well-rounded in, in a sense that he wanted to be an actor. He loved poetry. He loved all these things. And he was good at them too. You know, that's what people say, um, that he was good at them, but it was hard to be envious of him. You know, he was like that golden boy, but the golden boy that's really hard to be like mad at, um, which is the best kind. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it, 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 it he, it was a call that came later in his life, you know? Um, and it also just showed that he was holy even before he decided to be a priest. You know, he had already lived a holy life and the things that he was doing and his hobbies. And he, he was a very natural person. Um, he, he danced, he liked music, all these things. So um, there, was, there was something very easy about his, his way, which I, which I enjoy. I think one of the hardest things to capture with saints in any form of art is their humanity and even of Jesus. So like almost any film depicts saints and Jesus as so otherworldly that they've really kind of lost their humanity. And that makes them unapproachable in a, in a real way to a lot of people. And like you captured that really, really powerfully in here that this is, he's someone that practically everybody would want to look up to and say like, I could emulate that. I would want to be that way. And that's a good life. And I, I love what you just said, that he was holy before he decided to become a priest or he was pursuing holiness before he decided to become a priest. And that's the, like the universal call to holiness that's set before all of us and that we should invite everyone to and not just say like, oh, well, you're already like interested in God. Therefore, you should be a priest. But rather like, you, how about you try to be a saint? And then the Lord will reveal to you his will in that, like in that path. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very beautifully put. Yeah, because oftentimes I feel like um, we look at the the what somebody else is doing who we consider holy, and we think like, oh, we just have to copy what they're doing. But yeah. it's not what they're doing necessarily that makes them holy. It's that they're following God's will in their lives. And that's, that's yeah. why they're doing what they're doing. It doesn't mean that God wills you to do the same thing. Um, yeah, so on that note, uh, you know, you've been on a very unique path getting involved in this kind of work. And um, you mentioned before that you were just doing art, right? And you just happened to fall into doing more Catholic work or pursuing that. So as your uh, talents were developing in this realm of um, art, how was your faith developing as well? And how did that then impact, you know, some, some of the choices you made of how to spend your time and what projects to pursue? Yeah, that was that was interesting because I definitely I got uh, as as I got more uh, connected within the artistic Catholic community, and you would see all these people doing all these amazing things, and I was like, well, ninety five percent of my time I'm drawing Mickey Mouse and Disney princesses, <laughs> um, and I just felt like, oh my gosh, I feel so unholy, like you know, like you see everybody yeah. else. So there was definitely period of time where I was like this Catholic guilt of like, should I just quit? Should I just like draw things all day? Like, or like, should I open an Etsy shop? Because there are all these Catholic moms doing Etsy shops and that seems to be holy. I don't know. So yeah, there was definitely a bit of like, okay, like let's shut all of those voices off and, and see what, what God wants me to be doing. Um, 
because it's definitely been a lot harder um, to do extra personal work now that I have a job and I'm working nine to five again. Um, so I definitely try to try to implement a lot of like just discernment and understanding like of my own personal limitations as well. Um, and, and try to listen to inspiration. Um, and I also realized too, that, that you can be doing beautiful Catholic work, but your life might not be very Catholic. You might not be reflecting holiness in your daily life and how you do things and how you approach people, how you approach prayer, all these things. So I realized that, that what God wanted me to focus on was, was disposition of my spirit more than how, what I was drawing necessarily, as mm -hmm. long as what I was drawing was good. Um, there, there really was no, um, you can't be holy if you're not drawing saints all day. Um, Amen and that. yes, so that, that, that was something definitely, that was a big learning curve, at least in my faith. Um, and there are definitely projects that I've been developing which I'm very excited about. Uh, but rather than then feeling like I needed to make something in order to prove like I was Catholic, you know what right. I mean? Like, oh, here's my next big work or something. Abraham, still Catholic. I'm still Catholic, folks. I'm still Catholic, guys. <laughs> just in case. Um, it's listening where, where I wanted to make something because I felt inspired to, like I had something different to say. Like I made the JP2 book because... I felt a very sort of intimate connection with him. And I like, I had something different to say about him. Like I, mm -hmm. it, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm making this just to make it or to make another biography. I, I wanted to write what he taught me. Um, mm -hmm. So actually immediately once that book came out, people were like, where's your next book? Like, when are you doing Mother yeah. Teresa? Like, and yeah. I was like, um, yeah. so I sat down and I was like, okay, Lord, what are we gonna write about Mother Teresa? And then I realized, I have nothing different to say. Like yeah. it's a beautiful life and and so many things, but I'm like, there's nothing personal and authentic that I want to give right now. And right. I had to just be like, okay, there's 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 nothing coming where I'm just like, God's asking me to make this. It was more of just the outside pressure of like, oh, you need to make another book. Um so I was like, all right, Lord, I'll wait until there's there's something you want me to to say or do or, or draw. Yeah. Um, and in the it's meantime, funny how the, um, how the church can inadvertently put pressure on each other sometimes to produce, to produce results in that way, right? Like, because I'm sure that, I mean, you, you know, people, you might've felt that pressure from people. I know at times we all probably have to, to do certain things or keep the machine going, but um, really, it's it's about one person's opinion and what one person wants, and that's Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 so yeah, I've just been kind of waiting for the right time, and not only that, the right time, but the right energy level as well. Um, and I mean, we'll see. I'm 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 excited to be doing this, but one of the biggest gifts, though, um, the last few years was getting to know artists within the Catholic community and talking and inspiring and talking about like where art for the church is going and life as artists in the secular world as well. Uh, Cause I have a lot of friends actually who are Catholic and work for Disney for instance, and that's very fun. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, 
it's definitely different, but I think um, it's something really beautiful about how connected our world is that even though uh, the like the US, for instance, or the world is just so diverse that it's sometimes hard to find like-minded people or people who are on the same mission it's so much easier now to like find people and be like hey let's connect like what are you doing like how can i help um so that's that's been exciting exciting and really grateful for that so if, it, if we can I'd, I'd like to ask your opinion on what i see is like a resurgence of a love of beauty within the church right now so we've got great people like bishop baron who are really calling us to to go to pursue the via pulchritudinis as an authentic means of evangelization. And as more of an academic-minded person, I realize that my error immediately is when I start, when I try to do that, I turn it into like logos and, a, and a, almost like an emphasis on truth and reason. And like, okay, here, we need to use the way of beauty. So let's have a lecture about beauty. And I have to remind myself, that's not it. Like, we're not doing it. That's wrong. And so, um, like, what? Um, and, and like, there's people out there, believe it or not, there's people who are very happy with that. Um, like Peter Kraft has a he has a joke that he likes to tell. Um, the like some people uh, who are in the in the university world, professors and whatnot, they're often when they die, they're tempted. Do they want to go to heaven or go to the lecture on heaven? And for some of them, the lecture on heaven seems just as exciting as heaven itself. Um, and I think that's a it's a good description. Like beauty is more exciting than the lecture on beauty. And if we think that it's not, then there's a part of us that needs to be corrected and, and go back. So what does, I'll really like just kind of give you free reign, talk about anything here that you think the church can do better to evangelize through beauty. Well, I think it's to realize again, like we, we, we talk about our internal virtues and our mind and lectures and things, but we, we often forget, of course, and I, I love talking about that we're, we're, body, mind, and spirit. And we often forget about the body and our like incarnate world, you know? Um, and how, yes, we can be feeding our mind, we can be feeding our virtues, but like we, we are also fed by our surroundings and what we see, right? Um, and we talk about the sort of fantastic notion that uh, God became man, became one of us, died, resurrected, and we're gonna go to, to heaven, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a fair tale, it's sort of like a magical reality. But we look around and we don't really feel that, we feel like it's kind of mundane and gray and there's nothing really beautiful about it. Like, like sometimes I have to work hard to feel like I'm living in this incredible reality, you know? Um, and I always thought that a church and and uh, uh, religious art and all these things are are there to help reframe our mind and uh, inspire us into realizing that we do, do live in this beautiful reality that God loves us and that we are destined for heaven. So when you go into a beautiful church, you're like, this is beautiful and and it puts you in a place of prayer and in a place of wonder and a place where you actually are looking at the world through the eyes of God and not through the eyes of, of like an adult who might be jaded, you know? Um, so a lot of times I, and sometimes it's hard because I know that, that local 
local churches are on a budget and things like that. But uh, to realize that the first thing that people encounter is usually visual. Um, and the visual can either be inviting or it can be off-putting. So it's really the first step into somebody feeling at home and wanting to come into a church. Or, um, and that, that can just be your website, your um, like handouts, anything where you feel like people invest in this place. You know, they care about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't mm-hmm. put it together in two minutes. Like mm-hmm. they care, it's invested. It, there's, there's some, it's kind of like what you wear, right? Sometimes you're like, well, what I wear doesn't matter. But in a sense, like it's the first thing that speaks about you. So it's kind of like, what is what I'm, what is this church and what it's offering say? Just, just visually, what's it communicating? Is it communicating life? Is it communicating love? Is it communicating wonder? Or is it just like this kind of, boring building that doesn't that isn't anything different than anything else like um so there's there's something like we tell a story with with our images and our visuals and um and it's the first thing you know um beauty makes you curious and it makes you wonder and it makes you be like oh i want what what is there to learn and then um you jump in and you learn about truth and then it's it's the first step towards god i always i always um think of beauty that way um so it's the first step a lot of the times and and uh, images are didactic and it's what we teach people about it it's the first thing that people learn about when they come mm-hmm. to a church or they see a christian or anything else um yeah i don't know but yeah it's hard because a lot of the times to to do things well you need uh professionals and people know who know what they're doing and they cost money um you know and uh we have this talk about artists a lot about how when it comes to art it's usually like oh for free or you know you get exposure or it's just like i have to feed my family or my children or in my case my cat like So, so it's, it's the same, but you would never ask that of somebody who does like taxes or something like no. that. Like, oh, of course I pay you. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's, I went to school. Um, yeah. Cause sometimes even if you want to do it, you just can't because you, you have to pay the bills. Yeah. Um, but if you want to get, if you want to get good work, you have to look for a professional and sometimes it's okay. Sometimes I think we also feel like bad when somebody offers to do it, like, and you're like, I'll do it for free. And you're and you're just like, well, I'll just let them because they want to. Like, sometimes it's just like, I feel like, like we're supposed to say yes to whatever offers are because we feel guilty because we're, you know, we feel guilty. It's just like, oh, we'll just let her do it. She's so excited. Just be like, no, let's have you do something else. We'll, we'll yeah. hire somebody. <laughs> we'll hire somebody to do that. Right, right. I hear you. Yeah, it just that it matters. And I think that's another important thing is that it matters, um, even if not the same amount of money is invested that in the days of old renaissance all that stuff like um it's still important and it's still a huge part of god beauty is a, one of his qualities and that's something that we need to convey as catholics so something not to forget you know 
we we both really appreciate the thoughtfulness of that answer and it kind of dovetails we wouldn't have been able to say it that that particularly but just the reality of needing to create the kind of experience that's going to keep people coming back and if we don't plan that from the beginning then who knows how many people we lose because we don't make that good first impression yes yes and that's not just visual it's uh musically as well like it's all all of the arts anything that goes artistically um I know a lot of a lot of time musically, and sometimes we don't ever talk about the art of speaking as well. You know, the art of um, a homily is also something. Um, like, it's okay to take to take time with the craft, you know, yeah. um, and to to try to make it better um, because that's what we like. We're not we're not you know. When we're in mass, we're like, well, we're, we're, you know, experiencing heaven, you know, when you receive the Eucharist and everything, it's just like, well, what, what can we do with our limited means to, to put people in this experience, to make them understand in, 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 um, additional way that, that this is, that this is a sacred space, um, is, is also important. Well, uh, thank you so much for sharing, Fabio. It's, it's uh, reminding me as a business-minded person because uh, there is that movement in the church too, as well, to be more purposeful and strategic, and all that's well and good. But if we lose our soul in the process, that is not good, and that's actually what this saint fought against: fighting against communism and communist buildings that were just treating people as function, function, you know, pieces in a puzzle. And he was trying to recapture too how. Uh, we, each of us is like the flowers, the little, the little boy version of him is holding there that we need to bloom and blossom and grow as people. So I think your comment's right in line with, with this book. Thank you. I can't believe it's six years old. It's nuts. I can't believe that either. So um, one thing I did want to ask you about is I know you also were able to contribute to Word on Fire at some point. Is that correct? In, in one of their magazines or yes, journals? That was so much fun. Yeah, I got to talk a little bit about uh, um, obviously my my love of art, but also the art of storytelling, um, which is really really fun. So I talked a little bit about how um, the way uh, animation animated movies are made, the process, how that has influenced me and my approach to books. So I sometimes I approach them similarly to the way you would develop a movie. Um, because I just loved, I love storyboarding. I love, um, uh, a lot of times animators use, uh, mirrors to, to act out facial features and they get up in front of mirrors. It's so much fun. So I, I use a lot of their techniques when it comes to storytelling and my own art. So I talk a lot about that. I talk specifically about Snow White and the process of making Snow White and a little bit about the process of making my book. Awesome. That's really fun. Like that's, that's one of those things. It's so fun to have guests on who are, who are experts in their own area to learn. Like I never would have guessed in any of that, like using mirrors to look at facial expressions to make sure those are authentically represented. And um, it makes me want to like drop everything and go become an illustrator. And I, I think that shit might be set for me or might be sailed for me, but um, it's just, I'm so happy to learn about other people doing that and finding ways. I mean, as you said, uh, earlier, like it's it's okay. You don't have to be drawing saints all the time. Doing things excellently and doing things well done, give give glory to God. No matter as long as they're good, they give glory to God. And to to see someone else in their craft, like giving glory to God in like Coco and the the re, the beautiful work that was in Coco or anything else that you've been a part of, it's just so fun to see. 
Yeah, I, that's something that I love because I realize actually I tell the story a lot sometimes when I talk about art and my love of animation. The first time I thought, oh, God must exist is when I watched Snow White um, mm. because it was so beautiful. And I was like, there's no way this just happened because of just randomness. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yes, there was an explosion. And suddenly, of course, Snow White would happen. Like. Um, And I was very young. I don't remember when I had that realization, maybe three, four, something like that. Um, Yeah, I was I was very little. Um, So the the Holy Spirit goes where it wants to. Right. And it uses a lot of tools outside of things that are labeled Catholic. Um, And we have to not be afraid to find the good in other places and not be afraid to be seen as less Catholic because we're not necessarily yeah, doing, doing only Catholic things under, under the umbrella of the church or something like that. Yeah. Because, um, we're not, we're not really divided by, by like this big wall. We're, we're people who've realized that, that the reality that Jesus has saved us and we're responding to it. Um, and it's, it's not this big wall. A lot of people are on that journey to to find him or are finding him. And um, I think it's those mental mental divisions that sometimes keep us from uh, making friendships in other places, but also um, seeing what what good there is that is that is Catholic because it's good, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything that's good, anything that's of God is Catholic. Um, and, and that's, that's what we see, you know, in the world. And it's to, to see it the way he sees it, you know, not partitioned. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. That's great. I mean, that almost sounds like a reflection on one of the Beatitudes, like being able to see as God sees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's actually a big thing. I think being like, at least in my own spirituality, because I, I I know a lot of times I, I'm easily swayed by um, fads or things that 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 other people are doing, or um, even even ideals presented by by you know like Catholic social media, and you're like, oh, I have to look like them, or mm-hmm. I have to be married to a European Catholic and have <laughs> five beautiful babies, like you know, <laughs> um, and and. Uh, just realizing that that um, seeing my life, asking God uh, to to teach me how to see my life with His eyes, and to to not worry about what He's willing for other people, but about what He wills for wills for me in the present moment, um, and have that be enough, um, and and try to listen to that and what He wants, and less about how my life is looking based off of other other um, ideals. Um, so that's that's also been very big and it's also been big with my career because a lot of times I tend to be um, uh, I mean I, I, I like achieving things <laughs> you know um, mm-hmm. but at the same time I want to do things for the right reasons and not just because I want things on my uh, on my list of achievements. Right, I want right. to do them because 
God ask, is asking me to do it and because that's his will for me at the moment. That's that's what he, he wants me to do. Um, so yeah, I think asking asking God to purify the way I look at, at what I'm doing uh, is, is very important so that you're doing it for the right reasons, you know? And I don't think any of us do everything like in a completely pure way. Like there's always probably something something that that that's coming into you what you're doing but as much as possible um you know sitting with yourself and really like why am i doing the work i'm doing am i trying to impress anybody is it because i don't feel worthy is it because i feel yeah. like i need to do more in order to feel worthy mm -hmm. um yeah what why am i doing this um is, is very important because one of the most important things at least as an artist as a kid i always thought that like well, art is the thing that makes, that is, that is good. And so like, that's what makes me worthy, right? Like achieving things and, and um, like publishing books or whatever. And I didn't realize how much, how much energy I put on, on things because I wanted to feel worthy and I wanted to feel um, like approved of. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, I think a lot of us can do that and realize that we're, we're worthy just because God loves us, you know? Um, and that's, that's a bit, I think something very important that we need to learn. I think anybody needs to learn, especially artists who are, you know, you know, they, they live off of producing something and something that people will see and something that people will like or not like. It's important to know that that's not where their worth comes from. Yeah. I would guess that that's a, that mindset, that realization is like a pre, uh, um, a prerequisite for authentic discipleship. And if you think the older and the younger son and the prodigal son, neither of them really understood who they were before the father. And so they were both acting or operating out of an incorrect, incorrect worldview. And it's when we, we get who we are before God that we can then say like, let me come show you who this is, who he is and why that's changed my whole life. And it's not like, well, Catholicism made me this awesome and look at all these things I've done. But instead, like I, my favorite definition, I've probably said it every show now, is Christianity is one beggar telling another where to find bread. Yeah. That's beautiful. Well, Fabiola, I think it all come, comes back to uh, the saint that you wrote about in this book because he, was, he also reminds us that we are equal to the sum of the Father's love for us. So... Uh, Fabiola, thank you for um, for this beautiful work, uh, folks. A boy who became Pope. If you're looking for a great story to read with your children or grandchildren, uh, a great book to check out. And uh, Fabiola, we we look forward to hearing whatever comes next that God places on your lap. We're sure that you will make it uh, beautiful for His glory. Amen. Indeed. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs>